this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi everyone, Tim Kitzer here from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you're listening to Growing Up the Same with Trayvon Edwards and Jason Madison. Boom shakalaka! And now, here's your starting lineup. Trayvon Edwards, Jason Madison. Boom shakalaka! Tim Kitzrow is an American voice actor and the iconic voice of your favorite sports franchises. NBA Jam, NFL Blitz, NHL Hits, and MLB Slugfest, and over a dozen classic pinball games with NBA Jam, which grossed over $2 billion to date. Cha-ching! <laughs> introduced Ooh, boom shakalaka. to the NBA lexicon and earned pop culture immortality. Immortality? you got to be kidding me. <laughs> and now it's time for the one of the two with J-Skills. Would you rather be a kid or an adult? Kid. GameStop or AMC? AMC. Ready Player One or Tron? Ready Player One. Bill Clinton or George Clinton? (laughs) George Clinton. Bring that Funkadelic dunk, George! Whoa, kaboom! 80s hoops or 90s hoops? Uh, 90s hoops. Reggie Miller or Dan Marley? Reggie Miller. Carl Malone or Sean Kemp? Sean Kemp. 
Vodka or tequila? The Rain Man! <laughs> tequila. Jason Madison is on fire! He's on fire or Boom Shakalaka? Boom Shakalaka! Blackhawks Black Hawks or Bears? Bears. Cubs or White Sox? Cubs. Oprah or Obama? Obama. Quick naps or long naps? Oh, quickies. Hoodie or jacket? Jacket! Phone on silent or the ringer on? Silent, baby. You reached Jason Madison voicemail. Jason can't come to the phone right now because he's on fire. No, seriously, he was heating up some pizza in the toaster oven and a sleeve caught fire. Get out the baking powder. Leave my message at the buzzer and you won't be rejected. Kaboom! Grilled cheese or PB&J? Uh, grilled cheese, man. Smart water or Evian? Evian. The Rock or Stone Cold Steve Austin? The Rock! Patrick Ewing or Alonzo Mourning? Alonzo. Jordan or LeBron? Jordan! Jordan! <laughs> Barry Sanders or Emmett Smith? I'll take Sanders. Scorpion or Sub-Zero? Sub-Zero! Johnny Cage! All the Gretzky same guy. Or, or Gordy Howe? Gretzky. The Breakfast Club or Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Ferris Bueller, man. Chicago, hometown. Chinese food or Italian food? Chinese. Hank Azaria or Seth MacFarlane? Oh, tough one. I'll go with uh, Hank Azaria. John Bonham or Keith Moon? John Bonham. Dave Grohl or Lars Ulrich? Misty Grohl. Friends or Seinfeld? Seinfeld. Fresh Prince or Martin? Martin. Saved by the Bell or Family Matters? I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that era. King Kong or Godzilla? I love my King Kong, man. Tim Burton's Batman or Christopher Nolan's Batman? Tim Burton. Beavis and Butthead or King of the Hill? King of the Hill. Iron Man or Captain America? Iron Man! Hulk Hogan or The Undertaker? The Undertaker. Tiger Woods or Floyd Mayweather? Tiger Woods! NBA Finals or The Super Bowl? Finals. The sports bar or the arcade? Yeah, that's a tough one. I'm going arcade. Playing video games or drawing? Drawing. Two-hand touch or flag football? Tackle, baby. <laughs> <Two> <laughs> Cheat codes or game glitches? Cheat codes. I'm and just making this one. stuff up now, man. <laughs> and the last one, NBA Jam or NFL Blitz? NBA Jam! That was a one of the two. Growing up the same is heating up. I love how you just did it in those voices, though, man. Like, <laughs> it's, how can you not smile when you hear that, dude? I know, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I would if I if I if I was the voice of like an iconic game like that, I probably would be like ordering food through the drive-through, just 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 using it anytime, just 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 kind of remixing it. So, we gotta so, get. So we gotta Talk about uh, to, to food and to-go food and Chinese foods. Like when, when Curry hits a three-pointer, I was doing highlights for the, for the Warriors for a couple of years. Like, what's for dinner? Curry surprise. It's, it's fun, easy to make, and the crowd loves it. Boom shakalaka. What does three-time three champion Steph Curry have for breakfast? Snap, crackle, pop, nice crisp threes. Make them a part of your NBA diet. How do you like your curry? Extra spicy. 
I got to actually meet his dad in uh, uh, in Charlotte. He was, you know, he's a uh, broadcaster down there, and we had a clip of Steph Curry from a few years earlier uh, tossing the ball at his dad at the scorer's table. It hits his dad. And his dad looks around. He sees Steph. He's at half court in his shoes. He steps up and he and he hits a three. <laughs> so we put that into a highlight for the game. I did a, a Wizards NBA Jam game, and a great you know, voiceover. It's on YouTube. But doing that kind of stuff off the cuff, you know, this kind of stuff, uh, coming up with sayings that I could never have done for NBA Jam, doing them for NBA teams, especially the Warriors, has been a dream come true. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but uh, started a few years back with the uh, Rockets. I got to go there on their uh, their 20th anniversary back-to-back championship night. So commissioner was there, the great teams, all the players from them. They put up my, it was the first one I'd done, the highlights on the Jumbotron. They have the biggest Jumbotron in the league and just highlights of, of the team. And I was just sitting there and having this little like six-year-old kids next to me. I told them that I was going to be doing that because I asked them to take a couple pictures. He said, man, you're funny, man. I'm like, I still got it. I got a six-year-old laughing. <laughs> so what were you going to say? No, I was going to say. Uh, I just knocked you off the rails, didn't I, Jason? <laughs> yeah, you yeah. did. Get that <laughs> stuff out of here. You got rejected. Have you, have my wife you, always says, not tonight, Jason. <laughs> have you ever been in the room with another like legendary voice actor or somebody who's also voiced a video game? Because I was thinking of Trey was talking about uh, video games. And I was thinking about uh, Slink Johnson, who I, I kind of know I've interacted with. He did the GTA Franklin on GTA. But obviously, like you got John Madden. You got uh, Hank Azaria, who I talked about earlier. Yeah. Uh, any other people have you interacted with? And just well, it sounded I, weird when you guys were together. I've just uh, started doing the uh, uh, the different uh, video game shows and, and throwback uh, pinball and video game shows around the country. And luckily, I was able to finally meet all the guys from Mortal Kombat. And the, the irony is, you know, it was all done here in Midway, Chicago. So we were both like making our games at the same time, but had never met. So 20 something years later, we met at a convention. We become fast friends and uh, they've introduced me to some people, the, the guy who does Mario's voice and some other folks that I'm, I'm not really familiar with, but, but that's kind of it, you know, just starting to meet people like passing by where we do panels at the shows. Uh, but I'd like to meet more. And Hank Azaria is definitely one of my, uh, one of my heroes. Love, love, love all of his work. Man, that's that's sick, man. Being able to meet those uh, iconic characters and you know the, the the actors and stuff like that. So um, we're gonna talk about some stuff that people might not know behind the voice. Okay. So you grew up playing drums. What's your what's your connection to drums as a kid? Well, first of all, the drums. The the backstory is that's that's the reason that I'm. I'm in this business because I, I played drums since I was a kid and, you know, save up my, uh, my snow shoveling, the lawn money to buy a set, you know, went through like two cheap Japanese sets, spent $450 at 15 years old on a set of Rogers drums. And those were the Cadillac of drums back in the day. Anyway, I, I, I would, uh, you know, play in this, you know, kind of rock and roll band, uh, basement high school band, like a lot of kids did. And for a moment, like, I'm going to be a rock star. I'm going to be John Bonham. I'm going to be Keith Moon. It was funny, you know, asked me about those guys. But, of course, uh, uh, I went in a different direction, fell in love with acting, uh, but kept the drums always going, brought them to college, you know, found practice rooms. After college, had weekend bands when I came to Chicago, put them in a $100 Volkswagen, loaded them up, came out here, and kept playing. And I, I met a couple of guys. I said, I just want to play in the weekend because everybody's busy now. We've got our own careers, kids, whatever. 
And at that little weekend warrior group, one of the guys uh, works at uh, Williams Valley Midway. His, his job was putting music, hiring talent, putting scripts and sound into pinball games. And he said, hey, we need someone to do uh, a Mr. Howell for a Gilligan's Island pinball game. Uh, you, you're at Second City. You're, you're pretty funny. Can, can you do uh, Mr. Howell? I was like, Gilligan, maybe we could bribe Kona. Oh, lovey. It was as simple as that. He's like, oh, come on in. We'll give you 50 bucks an hour. And then uh, next game, it's like, hey, uh, we're doing Twilight Zone. <laughs> Can you do uh, Rod Serling? It's like, there you go. Popeye. 15 games later, I get offered NBA Jam. So long story short is, had I not been keeping my passion, my love of drums, just for the sake of keeping that alive, I would never have been in the right place to uh, fall into this business, which I never dreamt that I would get into. I was just pursuing acting, stage work, comedy, you know, Second City, uh, had had a lot of dreams, you know, going in different directions, like I'm going to be a stage actor. No, I want to do Second City. I want to do Saturday Night Live. And then this kind of fell into my lap. And I didn't realize it till several years in that this could actually be a career. You know, it was just extra, extra bread, you know, having fun on the side. And, uh, you know, so it was a kind of an accidental career. <laughs> which is funny yeah i mean that that's the thing uh always stumbling into something or creating it yeah and 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 being very good at it and obviously you know pe- you know so many people grew up on your voice just kind of spending time at those different arcades and 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 putting the hours in on certain video games and you know you it's nostalgia that that puts you in a good uh, smile on your face mm-hmm. um what is your connection to drawing drawing well Let's see. Uh, as a kid, here's one I did. John Lennon. I don't know if you can see it with all those reflections. But uh, this, I, we got big family, five, uh, five boys, two girls. And, and uh, we didn't have a TV for many years. And uh, we would always just, you know, create stuff, draw. My, my parents were really good, encouraging us to, to be creative. So uh, started out just doing cartoons, caricatures, drawing trucks, drawing faces, and kept it going. I've done, you know, played around with paints, uh, done collage work. I actually put together a collage for a, a, a movie pitch for a, a Phil Jackson and uh, his agent, Todd Musburger, based on sacred hoops. And I did it by just cutting and pasting pictures before using a computer or Photoshop. And uh, long story short is the, the presentation got into the office and they were so impressed with it. He actually said, uh, we're going to green light this. You know, we, we love this concept. Uh, it's kind of it was telling the story through the, if you guys have read Sacred Hoops, you, you'll know what I'm talking about. But if you haven't, go back to it. It's a great read. Uh, that it would be the players, Phil Jackson, other people reading excerpts from the books and showing then kind of a lot in slow motion isolate the moves and the moments in basketball that, uh, you know, pertain to these specific quotes and cut out the arenas and put in huge nature backdrops, Grand Canyon, like spectacular scenery to try to like turn into more mystical kind of thing, which is what, you know, Sacred Hoops and all of its Native American religion, et et cetera, is all about. So it would be like the telling of the story with a visual dance, isolating the moves of basketball. But that was all due to my artwork. Once again, creativity. I got in the office and Phil or uh, Todd said, because I'm not sure exactly how you got in here. (laughs) He goes, but, you know, 95% of the people who reach my front office never, you know, get to me. You got to me. You got in here. And he goes, you got 20 minutes. Let's go. And uh, 
but by the time we walked out, he, uh, he said, uh, you're going to be proud of the way I pitched this to Phil. And now to jump ahead to the, the sad ending, uh, Phil and the two Jerry's, Jerry Krause, Jerry Reinsdorf, were at such odds at that point. They could not get the approval for him to use the Bulls logo, the, you know, the, everything Bulls, you know, corporate to put into film. And I guess that they felt that he would be upstaging them, you know, the, the battle of egos back then of like, this is Phil telling the story of why he's successful, why he was the, the guru of the Bulls, for, but for whatever reason. Uh, so that's kind of a long story of, of how creativity still maintains, you know, it, it's part, a big part of my life. The voiceover is what you guys hear, but what happened also early on is I started writing the scripts when we got to NFL Blitz, Slugfest, uh, Mutant Football League, the NBA Jam with EA Sports. So that's when I took all my Second City acting, love of comedy, uh, writing to put it into the game. So what people don't realize, I'm, I'm the only one in the video game industry that writes their own material as well as voicing it. And I've also done all the four major league sports. So those are some of the things I'm most proud of uh, that people don't know that I speak about on panels that I'm not just, was never just a voice for hire, a gun for hire that I was creating content. So when you mentioned like Seinfeld, my time at Second City, you know, all the different people, Tina Fey who did 30 Rock. Uh, I got to be the guy in the video game industry that created, you know, the worlds, the characters, the, the, the dialogue. So it was really uh, a lucky chance for me to take that creativity and put it into the video game business where usually it's just, you know, guys at the company, you know, punch out the script and go here, read it, you know. And the stock sports game, you, you hear, you know, Madden, whatever. They're just trying to recreate NBA banter, get the voices in, and you get a good recreation. It's a really tough job to recreate reality in a studio. And those guys do a good job of it. But my work is different in that it's kind of like this fantasy world and it's in anything you want to say as a fan sitting on the couch, you can say it. Like when a guy in NBA Jam for EA Sports, you know, is firing from the corner, it's like, you know, Trayvon from the corner and like rummaging through his girlfriend's top dresser drawer finds nothing but nylon. Trayvon Edwards is on fire. Jason blocks a shot. Oh, I love it when you call me Big Blocker. Like my wife always says, no tonight, rejected. And that's where it became really fun for me. It's like, I can be the guy who can say anything that I want and create this world of kind of anarchy, fun, a game, you know, uh, circus atmosphere that goes along with the crazy uh, over-the-top action. And that's what was so unique about Midway Games is they always brought something extra. It wasn't like any other game. And uh, gosh, you know, Blitz, Slugfest, Hits, and, and NBA Jam all, all one after another. You know, what a great run for that company. Uh, Tim, what about, what about going back to uh, your pinball games, what, which other pinball games were you the voice of? I was a big fan of the Adams Family game in particular, but didn't do that. Other? It did. Uh, I, I've done all three Elvira games, and the most recent one was actually with Stern Pinball. So Elvira Scared Stiff and uh, Elvira House of Horrors were like, Elvira, I've never come out before dark, and right now I'm getting nailed in the coffin big time. When the coffins are rocking, don't come a mocking. Elvira. Uh, I did The Shadow, uh, Who Done It, Red and Ted's Adventure, uh, Junkyard Dog, Attack from Mars, Revenge from Mars. I, I forget a bunch of them, but uh, NBA Pinball, too. We did two NBA Pinball games. One was called Fast Break, and the other was NBA Pinball. Great artwork on uh, NBA Pinball that was with Midway. Great backboard on it. So you mentioned basketball, and this comes full circle. What is your connection with basketball as a kid? 
Basketball, man. I remember someone putting a basketball in my hand in like third or fourth grade in gym class, and that rim was a mile and a half up. I could barely hold the ball, but I loved the idea. <laughs> I stuck with it and then playing on uh, an eight-foot hoop out somewhere, and and I was always a short kid. You know, uh, I was uh, the shortest in my class, like all the way through, you know, ninth, ninth grade, I think. And then I just spr sprouted up and, and we used to go to a gymnasium and go on one of those old springboards before the mini tramps, put some mats down and dunk when we were like five, five or something like that. But eventually uh, I, I, I kept at it and I was able to, to dunk a basketball monster jam at the end of high school. So I kept playing, never played organized basketball, was uh, involved with theater. And we had a, a team that was like, you know, the best in the state. So there wasn't really a spot on the bench for me, but I, I actually got better as I got older, kept playing at the Y the whole time here in Chicago, when I was doing NBA jam, I'd play three or four times a week and the kids would come around and, you know, this little kid, let's say it's a little Trayvon there. It's like, what's your name? Trayvon. I go, Trayvon from downtown. Kaboom. Nothing but that. And, and back then, every kid knew NBA Jam. Goes, hey, man, you sound like that guy in NBA Jam. I go, hey, Trayvon, I am the guy. He goes, no, you. He come up and look at me. It's like if you told me you were Santa Claus, you would get close. You know, look, you go, no, you ain't you ain't that guy. And I do some more stuff. Then all of a sudden, three or four other kids he told come up like, Hey, you the guy, you the guy. Before you know it, I got literally 10 or 50 kids. They'd all play me one-on-one -on -one and I'd call all their names, call their whole game. It was, it was the best of times, man. It was like the Pied Piper. I was loving it. Do you ever get tired of like people saying like, yo, do the voice? And you have to realize like when I told you about how I fell into this career, all accident, man. And, and it's like your life can go so many different ways. It, it was everything that I, I had this opportunity and I realized how hard it is, how many people would kill to have this opportunity. And, you know, it made a different life for me. So no, man, it's, it's, it, it's my, it's my sweet spot. It's my connection with, with people who love it because I don't even understand. I'm not a video game player. I'm, I could not go back and be a kid to have what the experience is to have fallen in love with a video game when arcade and video games were really coming out where it was really different, where you're not jaded. Like people now have like so many hundreds of choices. It was like, you went to the arcade. It's like, it's Mortal Kombat. It's NBA Jam. It's, you know, you know, the, the, the big hits back then. So for me to be connected with that. And then when I go to shows and I, someone will come up with their kid is like, you know, 40 years old now. And the little kid's like, are you the guy who says boom shakalaka? Because they've shared the game with their kids and realize I'm part of their family fun. Uh, man, I never get tired of it. Never get tired of it. Feel, man, feel blessed. So when I think about it, uh, my connection, you know, obviously you shared some stuff with your childhood and me and Jason yeah. are probably going to share our childhood and, you know what I mean, how you became instrumental in our lives. So um, NBA Jam was that 93, 94 around that time yeah, yeah 93 i was nine and uh actually it's so crazy uh this guy named joe who uh who owned a store it was like a like mm -hmm. a corner store or something like that and and he had games like arcade in the, in the store so chips and all that other things that you mm -hmm. needed it was kind of like a bodega but on the west coast i'm from right. Compton, california and he had originally street fighter in there and then it had mortal kombat and every time games were rotating as popular as they were, and NBA Jam finally came in there. And I, I, I used to love Michael Jordan. Now, that mm -hmm. was one thing. That was one red flag for me, that Michael Jordan wasn't a character on that game. Right. But they had Shaquille O'Neal in the arcade coin-op version. So 
I'm like playing a game and I would beg my aunt, you know, for quarters and I would keep playing. And obviously, you know, it required four quarters to complete the entire game. Well, it got to a point where they released on, you know, home platforms. Right. And a commercial came out. And I remember begging my grandma, like, yo, I got to get Jim. Like, it, it has to happen. So she wow. delivered. She got in. She got it on Sega. Man, I remember just reading. That wasn't the, cheap. That wasn't cheap, man. 64. That's, that's so that's woman. the thing. A lot of people complain about games now. That game was $64.99 yep. when it first came out yep. on Sega. So it, the, the price ain't never changed. No. Um, and I got really good. I knew how to release the ball at a certain time to, like, knock down threes. Mm -hmm. um, I mentioned, you know, early on before we started to record about a few hacks in the game. Can you tell us about a few hacks in the game that that happened where the creator um, had a specific Easter egg for the Chicago Bulls? Well, I, I the only one that I know and maybe you're referring to the, with the Bulls is that uh, because they were, you know, our tribals were the Pistons at that point. Well, Mark Tremellos is uh, from uh, from uh, Detroit. And uh, so he set it up so that if you're taking a last second shot in the, in the final seconds, uh, against the Pistons, you're going to miss basically. Yeah. Uh, he, so. he, he, yeah. He did not want the bulls to win. So, <laughs> and I was, I was, I was a big, um, Pippen horse grant combo yeah. or, you know, BJ Armstrong. Yeah. Um, so I use them often, you know what I mean? Just hoping like, Oh, if I beat yeah. the game, I get access to Michael Jordan. Cause it just wasn't really, I mean, you had game genie and you had some, some right. game pro, magazines but they didn't really give too much intel of like the element of surprise and i know you got special characters like bill clinton and mm -hmm. george clinton george and, clinton yeah yeah um air dog beastie boys beastie boys and i mean you can go down the line with those characters and they started to cross platform and add you know mm -hmm. um mortal Kombat characters on there as well but um you know what was the process of you coming up with Ooh, boom shakalaka He's on fire. You know, you mentioned earlier that you wrote these, you know, into the game in the situation. And most people normally are handed a sheet to read. Well, I, I should have uh, prefaced it by saying, uh, you know, my intro being jam being the first game was not a script that I wrote. That one was uh, John Hay, who wrote the, the great theme music for it. He was one of the guys who, you know, we worked on a bunch of pinball games together. So back then uh, he did everything. He wore all the hats. He did the music for jam. He produced it, he edited, he engineered it, he wrote the script, he hired me, he you know, everything. And now you'll have literally, you know, 10 guys doing all those jobs. But anyway, really what the NBA was back at that time, it was Marv Albert Game of the Week Sunday. So that voice was the voice of the NBA. Like there were others, there were people before him, you know, I forget Dick Stockton or whatever, when it was on CBS. But in that NBA Jam era, that was what the soundtrack of the NBA was. So he basically just watched, watched, watched. And, it, you know, I, I, at some point I, I decided I'm going to tell the truth, like what the origins of Jam were that was really inspired by Marv Albert. You know, it's like, I wanted to stake a claim as I got older, like I didn't want to give him all the credit. It's like, well, I didn't write the script. John did for the first one. So if you go back, that was Marv Albert, especially during uh, when a Pistons game was going on. You remember Vinnie Johnson? It was called the microwave. He'd come in off the bench. He was that first grade six player. And he goes, the human microwave, Vinnie Johnson. He's heating up. Johnson is on fire. That was Marv Albert stuff, you know, rejected. Yes. Wide open. And that's, 
what got my voice up in that register. I have a deeper voice. I have a deeper voice than Marv, Marv Albert. But back then, I wanted to get that excitement because that's what we knew as that crazy hype. I might have taken it further because I knew that, you know, we wanted to create a, a certain energy, enthusiasm, you know, fast-paced game. But it all started out with a kind of like Marv vibe. And it wasn't until Blitz that I started writing you know, changed my voice. Obviously, I didn't have to do Marm for that stuff. Welcome to NFL Blitz. Farmers, Freeman in the end zone. Touchdown. So I got the grittier sound. Then I did the baseball. Back to NBA Jam with EA Sports. Then they just said, write the script. And that's why you got all those lines, like I said, you know, that I was telling you before, where it got more creative. Now, it wasn't just the soundtrack of a basketball game. Now, it got into the guy who could say anything like your buddy, you know, sitting next to you watching the game, making, you know, you know the, the more you know, pointed, you know, sense of humor kind of stuff. So uh, yeah, I didn't have a, a hand in the, the, the first script. Uh, it was, it, it, it's so funny that that was the billion dollar game. And the one that everyone remembers, there are a lot of fans that don't even know about the EA sports version. We did two versions, right. 2010, 2011 that's my more creative stuff. You know, uh, it's where I got to have full charge. So it was other games that I thought, you know, I was, I had more of an impact where I could understand that people said, wow, you know, you're really talented. You're really good. It's like, all I did is basically read a short list of NBA jam, NBA sound bites from Marv Albert for the first one, but right time, right place, the mashup of seeing the visuals, the game, the, you know, it, you know, you know, the whole story, why I was in the eye of the perfect storm, and I, I don't know if anybody could have done it at the time. You know, my voice stands out now and it's hard to imagine someone else doing it. But I was at that point just a gun for hire. You know, the timbre of my voice, how I did it, the excitement, the calls. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that they resonate, that people responded to it. But I don't think it was sh me showing off what I can do best. <laughs> and you know, it's funny because maybe other people say, no, that was perfect. That was best. It was simple. It was you know straight ahead. But uh, I've, I've had more uh, enjoyment. Uh, I think doing all the other games, because as I said, it had, there was more creativity, more of my uh, fingerprint on it. Now with the specific uh, action of he's on fire and that being a part of the game, that was built into the game of, okay, you make two shots in a row, you're heating up, you make three shots in a row, you're on fire and now you can't miss. That was something that was an initial concept of the original game. And then they just had you, voice that or how did that well that that's interesting and, and i also just do a quick plug for a movie called insert coin just came out a couple months ago uh it's uh, it's made by one of the midway employees josh sway uh and he interviewed 70 people including Shaq, former nba players mark Tremel, of course the creator so all the details are in that also nba jam the book has all these great details but the weird thing was it was not even going to be an nba licensed title it was just going to be the first motion capture basketball game. Their previous one was called Arch Rivals, which was a uh, animated basketball game. So they're halfway through it. And the, uh, the CEO of the company said, he goes, what do you mean? He goes, we got to do this NBA. We got to get an NBA license. And they go, well, I didn't think you could afford it. It's like, it's going to cost money. He's like, well, we got to do an NBA license. So it wasn't even going to be NBA a jam. It was just going to be like jam. And halfway through also, the creator, Mark Tamell, had used uh, uh, fire uh, graphics for a couple other games, and he was hanging out at lunch at Burger King, and they were trying to figure out ways that they knew they had to keep people 
putting the quarters and they go, we got to give them, you know, that Easter egg, something to get, encourage them, especially if they're down far late in the game. If they lose, they're going to walk away. They're not going to feel good. They're not going to want to get in the next game. So it's like, how do we have like come back? It's like, well, how about if they make two in a row? Blah, blah, blah. And it was, so they kind of came up with it right in the middle. Like he's heating up. And then how about we throw in the fire graphics? So if you make three in a row, you catch fire, then you could just like, you know, make the next couple. So it was, it was just a, an accidental kind of like a, you know session think tank at the Burger King. So yeah, I could put those graphics in. We could do this. And they came back, and uh, one of the uh, the other guys, Eugene Jarvis, one of the great uh, designers in the game industry, was watching them do the dunk, uh, 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 you know, frames. And he said, "How about make it a little bit higher?" And they just kind of kept going. People kept laughing. The higher he went, and another guy, Sal Devita, one of the co-creators, like, "No man, it's not realistic at all." He goes, "This got to be a realistic game." He thought he was making a realistic sim. You look back at NBA Jam, it looks kind of cartoony and outdated. But at the time, that was that was the shit. You know, they, it was reality. And, you know, Mark had a different idea. It's like, no, it's got to be more fun. And he's like, no, it's got to be real. People are going to believe, you know, a 20-foot dunk and on fire. So they had to go back and forth. They all, you know, obviously they made the right decision. So, yeah, a lot of accidental stuff. But we were just recording. He's heating up and he's on fire anyway, because I said that was a, a you know, traditional kind of NBA, you know, Marv Albert thing. He's heating up. He's on fire. They just happened to go together. Yeah, that that and then the the freeze frame with all the flash bulbs going off during. Yeah. Yeah. Like those are such iconic moments. It's It's funny to think that that people were going back and forth about whether or not it being realistic was necessary. Right. Like, oh, we yeah. needed the cartoonish aspect of that to make yeah. the game more engrossing. Yeah. So and then like the, the big heads was just, it was kind of initiated just because sometimes people had trouble like identifying their player. Like, well, let's a little bit, give them a little cheat mode so they can like really follow their guy. They also had to put the arrow in the color, like, because a lot of people were playing the wrong guy. They thought they were the AI, <laughs> you know, if there was just a two on two or something. Uh, so yeah, there was a lot of things that just were kind of made up along the way. Also in the very beginning, they all had the same abilities. Uh, and when they were testing the game, they overheard some guys say, oh man, don't, don't let uh, Stockton hit a three. Cause he hits all the three or, you know, talking about specific attributes and Mark went like, oh man, no, they don't know that like Shaq has the same attributes as Stockton. It's like, we got to change such an obvious thing you would think. So, like, you know, as genius as he is, they were so intent on just, you know, like we got to get these guys. They all, no one had ever done that before where every player had his own ability unique to his real life avatar. I mean, the, or the That's avatar. That's hilarious when you yeah. think about it. If, if yeah. uh, Shaq could shoot like Mark yeah. Price, like yeah. I would probably lose. I'll probably break that game. I'm not yeah. gonna lie. Like, yeah. I'm glad that someone just uttered that just because yeah. you really think about it. You know, the players that didn't have such a dunk ability, they had yeah. that one little, yeah. little dunk that they would do close by the basket is the reverse jam yeah. or the two hand but yeah. having a guy like Derek harper do a flip dunk or yeah i mean you can go down a line with certain characters that just didn't have crazy dunk abilities just would just ruin it so <laughs> I i'm glad that they got really freaky with it and yeah and yeah it would have been it would have been a very generic game i think that was huge in the success and and when i talk to people at nba jam tournaments at conventions and such they all talk about their unique strategies and players they choose and how they, they do it and there's a there was a great meme i think i saw it on twitter uh, of joe uh, uh, i mean uh, uh, john stockton sitting and someone uh, put in the nba jam game on the screen is like you know 26 years later john stockton is still trying to dunk an nba jam <laughs> You know what? I was thinking, how did they come about breaking the glass in the fourth quarter? 
I don't remember. Don't remember how that came up, and I'm sure it's okay. in NBA Jam, the book, or something. But uh, we'll, yeah, I'll, I'll probably have to go back and it. look at it. But I mean, were you also the voice of College Slam? Yes. Yep. So College Slam is for people who don't know, and I I consider it the little brother. Yeah. Um, but College Slam had like a crazy. First of all, I had a crazy box because because it had the basketball chewing into the rim and yeah, you know, just like you know, but had a similar look. Yeah, jam. Yeah, acclaim. Yeah. Acclaim had gotten the license from uh, uh, from Midway to do the NBA Jam title because they were more. They had a deal going where they were going to start to do the home market because Midway was just all about selling, you know, the arcade. So they mm-hmm. weren't into you know selling software for for the home games. So anyway, once acclaim got that title. Uh, they weren't allowed. Midway could not use the NBA Jam title anymore. That's why I did like Showtime on NBC, which I wow. did also. And that's why Acclaim said, oh, we can just basically take this whole thing and do a college slam based on this. And they brought me in for a weekend to just do the uh, do the uh, announcing for that. But yeah, that's why that's why I turned to, you know, the different titles and hang time, et cetera, because they so could hang time. All that was all in the same thing. Did you do those two as well? I, I didn't do hang time. Hang time was actually Neil Funk, the Bulls uh, announcer at the time. So it was okay. uh, after the success, success of jam, they, they were the thinking was, Oh, well, like how people later went with 2k and Madden. Mm-hmm. Oh, we got to get a real broadcaster. Tim's yeah, just yeah, yeah. in-house guy. Uh, there was no perspective, no, you know, uh, you know, history with, with me. It was just like, I happened to be part of that. And, and I think I was kind of overlooked like, well, we got to get a professional now. So they brought him in and it just wasn't the same. I love Neil Funk, but I don't think uh, it was, you know, an easy transition for a guy who yeah. has been doing his whole life courtside. As I said, it's really tough. You know, it's not, not an easy thing to sit in a studio for hour after hour, you know, just like shredding your voice. And same thing, Marv Albert. I think he did one of the home versions for a claim of NBA Jam. And then I was brought back in because he, I, people said that he was just, he was bored with it. You know, it was just not his thing. <laughs> yeah. He didn't realize the importance of it. He wasn't an actor. He was just like, you know, reading, read, you know, literally like phoning it in. Yeah. No, I could be like that. So you have an impressive resume, like Jason mentioned, a dozen pinball games, probably even more. Um, NBA Jam, NFL Blitz. NFL Blitz is, if not, it's a toss-up between Jam and Blitz. It depends what household it is or how mm-hmm. old you are. Yeah. Blitz was the closest connection to Jam because, again, I had those other things that were kind of introduced. You had NBA Live 95 be introduced. You had, you know, the 5-on-5 got popular again mm-hmm. to throw off the 2-on-2. But when you got Blitz, it's like, you can hit a guy after, you know, after the Totally play. unnecessary, but a whole lot of fun to watch. <laughs> Arnie, let's see that again. <laughs> so then, you know, you got you saying that, and then you got guys celebrating and, and doing all kind of crazy stuff. You can throw a fiery football. Like, yeah. I just thought it was just ahead of its time and, and introduced – it kept fun. You know what I mean? Like, you don't mm-hmm. find games like that anymore, and that's why it's so beloved or able to pass down because there's only a few buttons – you know what I mean? A few, you know, as obviously in Blitz, you got a sheet, mm-hmm. a page or two of page of uh, plays where you can flip, you can, you know, do whatever you wanted to do. And then also you only, you know, I think it was, it wasn't, it wasn't 11, 11. So it was probably like seven on seven, but how they did it was they had the wide receivers. They didn't highlight the linemen. Mm-hmm. They had the tight ends and then the guy that snaps. And then you go out and you had all these eligible receivers and, you know, also you can do an option, mm-hmm. you throw it to anywhere, you throw it back, you can throw it forward. Like it was like the rules were broken and yeah, 
the scoring was so high in the game that just made it so fun. Um, how was that when you were, you know what I mean, recording Blitz? Blitz was, I mean, that was, that was the first moment where like, it was just a, a blank canvas. I didn't just have to read lines. I said, once I started writing and uh, Dan Forden, who actually did the music for Mortal Kombat was my producer on that. Great guy, great sense of humor. So we were just like, like a couple of kids, you know, uh, just sitting around thinking like what we could do that would be kind of crazy and irreverent. And you know, he just ripped his head off. No, no, it's just his helmet. Darn it. You know, <laughs> we just started to have fun. As I said, we we're just the same as being like six or you know, a 10 year old kid watching football and, and just, you know, having having fun and, you know, making up stuff. So, you know, then when Madden came along, you were mentioning like how much fun Blitz is. I've often said to people like Blitz and Jam are like the 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 game that you have to take a break from the sim games just to like in the middle of it. Like, hey, man, let's just take 10 minutes to play Jam. Let's take, you know, to play Blitz. And Madden actually just put in a new kind of arcade game within the game uh, that they're actually doing for esports too, to give people that fun of just like quick pickup. Anybody can pick it up, go fast, easy plays, not have to do, you know, hours of setup and, you know, thinking and planning. And, <laughs> and we did that the same thing with, you know, mutant football league. It, it plays fast, like, uh, like blitz and you can have fun, but, but it play, it plays realistically, but there are extras that, you know, the, the hazards and the, the bribes and all, all that stuff. So it's always important to, you know, make sure that a game is still a game and fun for me. Uh, I've, I've thought about, uh, you know, what would it have been like if I got more into sports announcing and people always asking, have you ever done it, considered it, uh, esports announcing for Madden or 2K is like, I don't think I could do it first of all, because you have to have so much, commitment to learning every bit of the roster league whatever to pull off even within those games or esports to be able to announce like that and my fun is like the between the lines i'm the seth rogan you know the uh, or someone who comes in to like to have fun with it you know so i don't i don't want all that extra pressure of like you know sitting courtside just going through the motions i love the idea of like coming in as a guest you know announcer if you know for a few minutes or something else but uh yeah, the, 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 the new sim they're games, kinda, man, they're just so involved. I don't even know how those guys get through those scripts. Kind of like how people have been saying about Snoop Dogg, which I think is needed. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think we need more guest announcers yeah. who are just like giving you the straight up, you yeah. know, this play, that play. You know, we need a variety of, of yeah. like uh, emotions when yeah. we're watching the game. Not everybody wants to hear the, you know, the basic calling of the game. So I think you should do it. Yeah, even on uh, I, I've noticed NBA TV, they do um, what do they do? They, the the um, the watch along room basically now they have a thing where they're just kind of like watching the game, talking about it, and side source. So it's not like they're courtside announcing. That's interesting just to get some backstories and whatever. But I, I do think even those guys would be fun for a, a, a personality like myself or somebody to come in to have a little to stir it up a little bit. Uh, I actually got to do a watch along party and uh, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the WWE Austin Creed Xavier Woods but uh, did a show of his and when they had the Survivor Series here in Chicago I got to do a watch along so we're watching and with all the other crazy wrestlers you know all around me it's like that was fun because we just you know just had had a ball had a party Have you met Jim Ross? I have not. Oh man no. that's that's a great voice right there. I was going to think I was like yo did you do WWF arcade game? No, no, no. Okay. No. Okay. Cause no, nah, I mean, you know, most of the voices were like, obviously I remember Jim Ross doing some stuff, but though that was another game that kind of lined up with 
the arcade style mm-hmm. and, and arcade style for, for, for gamers was like no holds bar yeah. rules off, you know, cause I played jams so much to a point where I couldn't play NBA live 95 with the rules on, mm-hmm. but turn all the rules off, trade Penny Hardaway to the bulls, trade Shaq to the bulls. Wow. playing with roster player 99 and just be, pushing people and just dunking everything and throwing lobs and beating teams by like a hundred points. And it was because of jam uh-huh. because you had that opportunity to, you know, foul. And, and yeah. I'm sure jam comes from the school of arch rivals. And yeah. I mean, you can, you can go down the line as far as the evolution of video games and, and, and what's fun. But again, game, I feel like games that require the less buttons are the most yeah. entertaining. Well, think of it when you're telling me that, you know, you were nine years old when Jam came out, you know, you could not have been taking a, a you know, controller today and doing a, you know, a, a NBA 2K. It's just too much. But as a kid, you could grab the joystick, hit this button, this button. So it's in your blood. Like anybody who grew up with Jam goes, oh, there's that. Like there's a need for that, that quick release fun. And as a kid too, what is more fun than breaking all the rules? Like, Oh, I can do that. I can shove the guy. I can push the guy. I can, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I can do a somersault on fire. I mean, that's your first experience as a kid. That's your avatar. There's an NBA player. Now I'm him actually on fire doing somersaults. I mean, what a rush. You're not going to have a 10 year old kid that picks up, you know, NBA 2K for the first time and sees a lumbering, you know, um, LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, coming down like, Eddie Dunson with authority. It's like getting the same yayas, man. It's just like those guys also look like the Walking Dead. The sim thing is never like, it's always a scary world when I see the dead eyes, you know, <laughs> and the, the movement. It's like, I'd rather see the big heads of NBA Jam. Those guys are like, you know, like carnival scary, trying to recreate real life. <laughs> kind of yeah. spooky to me. So now we're in 2021. NBA Jam has just released uh, in 2020 mm-hmm. um, through Arcade One Up. And, you know, probably most. 30 to 40 to 50 year olds have brought this game to their household because they've always wanted, you know, a home entertainment system Mm -hmm. to be able to play this game. And now it's a family heirloom to be passed down and the game to be taught. And it's it's hilarious. Like you mentioned, people showing their kids like, hey, that's the NBA Jam guy. How does it feel? I guess is this considered getting your flowers um, after so long of the anniversary of the game or just, you know what I mean, to be reintroduced and, and seeing people fall in love with this, with this, uh, this game all over again. Well, it's, it's kind of like it's flowers from the fans to know the appreciation, but it's kind of like dead flowers at my doorstep because uh, they, they uh, did a license with EA. So uh, no, no one gets a penny from this except oh, them. Wow. So, so I'm watching, you know, basically like, you know, having a hit, in the 60s, you know, a big hit, and then someone re-releases my greatest hits, and they go, uh, sorry, you're not going to get any money on this, but you want to help us promote it? We'll give you a couple free CDs. That, that was kind of the deal. And it's like, really? <laughs> yeah. So I wish I could get behind it more, and I've, I've had some conversations with those guys, and hoping still something works out. I said, I want to offer a way for fans, if they're crazy enough to spend 500 bucks on an NBA Jam Cam, they got to have some serious love. So I said, what do we... What, what if we do a signature edition? You know, I can come out the factory, start autographing games, throw an eight by 10 in. And I can also, we can have a separate uh, uh, a website or, or, you know, thing where you can order custom calls for your arcade machine. So it's like, welcome to Trayvon's 
One Up Arcade NBA Jam Basement, your man cave edition. And this is Jason, or you know, you know, this is Jason's and this is Trayvon's house. So it's Trayvon's rules. Buy good beer. Don't, you know, don't bring the cheap stuff, whatever. Have something unique, specific that you can upload, you know, some sound bites from me. You've reached Trayvon Edwards. To hit a two, press three. To hit a three, press two. For all other options, say or press boom shakalaka. Leave him a message at the buzzer. Just don't make it one of those long, detailed messages. Truth is, he never listens to him anyway, and frankly, doesn't care. Kaboom! As I said, signature stuff, package, you know, uh, stuff that has like pictures and, you know, magazine covers from the early days, but something that makes it more personal and just have me do, you know, promotional stuff, promotional videos, picture me, you know, with the thing. And, you know, there's so many things we could do creatively. And, and and we have not gotten it done yet. So it's, it's frustrating because I've been the ambassador for that brand forever. And since 2011, there has not been a new version, but I'm still out there pushing and pushing and pushing, hyping and getting it into NBA stadiums, got it on ESPN for a, a 25th anniversary, did highlights for ESPN, you know, got it done with different NBA teams. And here's one of Arcade. No one ever reached out to me, didn't mm. even think, you know, like, Hey, you might want to be involved or, or let you know or whatever. And it wasn't, and it's not just about the money. First, it was just about, I could have fun. We could have fun, you know, doing something with this. And since you bought the title, wouldn't you be interested in like, you know, get, getting me in and any way. And it's, uh, that's, that's tough. That's tough for me right now. And, and I'm not going to, you know, uh, burn that bridge because I think that, you know, I think it's just someone within the company that's like, you know, purse springs or something like they didn't budget for it, whatever. The people that I've spoken to have been great creative guys like, yeah, we could get you on QVC, selling the game and whatever. But uh, it's kind of like watching, you know, I mean, they want to sell a million games. <clears throat> the first, first NBA jam game I made about eight or 900 bucks, you know, which 50 bucks an hour back then was fine, but 30 years later, almost, and them releasing $500 a game to make a million, that's $500 million. Whether or not they hit their million dollar, you know, threshold, I don't know, but it'd be nice to get just that much, you know, back on, on the back end. But not hey. as, as I said, but it's more about having the fun. Like I'm out there doing the stuff anyway. I could do great highlights, videos, promotional stuff for you. I'm going to help you sell more games. I'm not looking for a handout. I just, that's my baby. It's like someone, like we had a divorce and, you know, someone else, you know, that's my car. That's my wife, you know, down yeah. the streets. Like I want to, I want a part of it. You're not going to, you know, get my baby and, you know, run with it. And, you know, there are articles in ESPN, you know, starts out like if you've ever played NBA Jam, boom, shock, like he's on fire. You know, Tim Kitzer, the legendary voice, this wakes up something in your childhood, whatever it was, that was the, that was the head headline. And then they talk about how they're going to go out and sell a million games, but they didn't mention their, and they're not working with Tim Kitzrow. <laughs> right. You know, I become the focus of their marketing publicity, just the fact that I'm connected to the game, but still getting nothing back from them. So, yeah, well, hopefully whoever's listening, yeah. to, you know, because it might be a fan yeah. uh, who, who works for somewhere or, or yeah. wants to bring in Tim Kitzrow, you know, he is ready to, to work and, 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 and hopefully they give you your just due. Um, because you are a legend to us and not only to us, but the world, man. I appreciate um, that. One thing, one question that we ask uh, to most of our guests is what advice would you give your 18 year old self? Wow. Uh, if that's a, a tough one, because you don't want to give up on certain dreams and aspirations and the, you know, the, the classic, you know, kind of poster is like, 
never give up on your dreams, never give up on your dreams. But it's more like, no, we were talking about change earlier. You don't know that the path, there could be many paths. It was like, be open to other things. Like I thought, I'm just an actor. And I was like, no, I'm also an artist. And later on, like, I'm also a voiceover artist. I'm a writer. It's creativity. It's like, I was, I think I was narrow in the thinking of like, if I don't do this, I'm not going to be a success. I'm going to be a failure. You know, so much pressure and having acting, having to be the thing. It's like, just follow what keeps you creative and happy. You'll find the place, you know, if you choose it as a career or you see yourself, you know, for whatever reason in one spot, you know, locked in, then you're, then you're limited to other things that are happening. Like in one day, one little thing happens. Like, now I pay attention to anything and everything. Like there's all kinds of little, you know, magic kind of like invitations coming your way. If you're listening, paying attention where you can, creativity is creativity. It doesn't just go into one thing. You know, if you're a creative person, it just means that, you know, you're, you're open to playing, you know, you're open to possibilities. And so I would tell my 18 year old self, like, don't put so much pressure on yourself, you know, keep following things that, you know, make you happy, but look for anywhere in anything that can keep you, alive through being stimulated, creative all the time in every way. The good things and, and the, the, the money, the career things will come out of that. But but don't get locked in and don't feel like if you don't do this, like my dream, I was going to go to Second City, going to be in Saturday Night Live, or I'm going to be in movies or TV or whatever it was. Like That was hard to just go, it's not happening. It's not working. It's not working. Where there were so many other things that if, if I want to start over again, at 18, you know, I could have said, well, go this path, you know, so yeah, go, go easy on yourself, but, but never stop looking for everything that can keep you uh, sustained through creativity and, uh, and connect with friends. And, you know, a lot of times, like, you're so busy following one path, like, you don't know how many friends are a new person just meeting you guys, like, the next day, the moment you come in contact, the randomness, the beauty of what you share and what you can do to collaborate. And there's so many people, especially during the COVID times, like we meet people virtually, like you're just another little, you know, entity, little life that comes through my computer. It's like, it's magic. You know, we, we hook up, we have a good time. And then there might be some creative thing we could do or just stay friends, but it's just keep keeping yourself over there, keeping, keeping the blinders off. Man, well, this has been great. Thank you again, Tim. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. Really, really oh, great man, to meet you. This is awesome. This was great, dude. This is one of my favorite episodes. This oh, is this same. is why this is why you do podcasts, man. This exactly. Awesome. Growing up the same wins the game. Ooh, boom shakalaka. <laughs>